This is the Canoe Creek Podcast. Our vision is to help people in our community connect to God, grow in Christ, and go serve others. We are located at 4080 Pine Tree Road, and our Sunday morning service times are 9 o'clock and 10.30. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Todd Prater. I am the student minister here on staff. Uh, it is my pleasure to work with middle school, high school, and college kids. That's right. I said my pleasure to work with middle school kids. Um, I enjoy student ministry, and I am excited to be here this morning to celebrate these graduates as they move from high school into either a job or into college. Um, and we're excited. Uh, that video showed so many milestones in the life of a teenager and uh, in the life of a family. And so we're excited to to partner with their families and with them as we celebrate them today and celebrate their accomplishments. But to start this morning, I just want you to go ahead and grab your Bibles. Uh, If you have one, uh, go ahead and grab it and turn to 2 Timothy is where we're going to be, 2 Timothy. If you don't have one, there's one in the the chair in front of you. You can use that. Or if you don't have one at all, you can take that with you. That's our gift to you. We're also, if you're following along in the YouVersion app, you can find us on our event there in the YouVersion app. But we are going to be in 2 Timothy, and we're going to do things a little bit different because I'm up here, and I'm just different, right? And so we're going to do something a little bit different. So once you find 2 Timothy, I want you to go ahead and kind of either put your finger there and just mark your spot and just kind of turn your attention to me Uh, because I want your help. This morning, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a, story, a cinematic story, and I want you to kind of paint that story in your mind as we kind of go through. So you guys ready? You going to do this for me? Yeah, Todd, we sure are. Good job. All right, so here we go. The curtain comes back, and, and, and the scene is this. It's, it's these two young people, and they've been dating for some time now. And they decide, hey, I think God wants us to get married. And so they go and they get married and, and they spend their, the first part of their honeymoon period of their, their marriage getting to know one another, getting to know strengths and weaknesses and how each other ticks and how each other works. A year comes along and they pull out the cake out of the refrigerator or the freezer because that's what you do and you eat it and it tastes awful, but you do it anyway because that's what you're supposed to do, right? So few more months go by and, and they've been taking turns cooking dinner each night. The husband will come home and he'll cook dinner. The wife will come home, she'll cook dinner. The wife has a, has a job that lets her off a little bit later. So when she gets home, she's a little bit more frantic. She's putting her stuff down. She's throwing things in the oven. She's getting it together. And so when husband gets home, he puts his briefcase down. She's a little out of breath. And so one night, husband comes home. It's her night to cook. He's just thankful he doesn't get to burn, I mean, cook dinner again. And so he sets his briefcase down and something's different. Something's a little bit off. Wife walks around the corner and, and she's not in her comfy sweatpants. She's in a, a nice dress. But he's thrown off because dinner's on the table so they're not going out to dinner. So why is she so dressed up? And why is she not out of breath like she normally is? Well, see, what husband didn't know is that earlier that day, the wife didn't feel quite right. So she went to the doctor and the doctor said, hey, congratulations, two is now going to become three because you're pregnant. So now she's got to tell her husband. So she comes home and, and she's planned this dinner and, and she's, she's ready to tell her husband. And so husband sits down across from her, still not quite sure why things are different. And, and she's smiling ear to ear like women do when they're, they're so excited. But she had a little bit of nervous tension. She's like, I don't know how he's going to react. We're only 18 months into this thing and we weren't expecting this. 
And so he puts his fork down. He says, honey, you've got to tell me what's going on. I can't take it anymore. Did I do something wrong? What, are you punishing me by being extra nice? Or what are you doing to me? And she says, I've got some news. We're, we're going to have a baby. I'm pregnant. And what seemed like a thousand years was really more like two or three seconds and he jumps up and he's like, I'm so excited. And he, he runs and he embraces her and he picks her up and twirls around. And he sets her down. He's like, oh, I didn't hurt the baby, did I? They're excited. But immediately they've sat through Dave Ramsey's class. And so they start planning financially and they start readying their house and buying those little things you stick in the plug so the kid doesn't electrocute himself or herself. And, and along the way, there's, there's been some problems. You see, mom wasn't supposed to be able to get pregnant. And now mom's a little sick, a little in distress. Baby's a little bit in distress. And so they begin to pray about it. They enlisted some family to pray about it. And then that time comes for them to go to the hospital. Everybody's still a little bit nervous, not knowing what the outcome's going to be, not knowing that, that if it's going to be very successful, not knowing if mom's going to make it, baby's going to make it, both are going to make it, not knowing what's going to happen. Family's called. They come to the waiting room. They're all gathered anxiously awaiting dad to come out. And after a couple hours, dad walks out. and Everybody can tell that, that things are a little bit better because dad's shoulders are further back and his chest puffed out a little bit. And he said, hey, I walked in a husband, but I came out a father. Mom's doing great. Baby's doing great. Both are happy. Both are healthy. Everything went great. There was no problems. God is good. God provided. You see, the picture of this family is beautiful right now. The future of this young man could be anything and everything that he wanted. He could be the greatest farmer known to man. He could bring all kinds of crops and cattle to help other people. He could be one of the most sought-after construction workers of anybody. He could be the best shingle guy in the town. He could be the greatest teacher that the education system has ever known, imparting wisdom onto mind after mind and generation after generation. The future was bright. The picture was beautiful. And as they sit in the, in the hospital by themselves, all the family's gone away, and it's just the three of them now, both looking at the little baby boy, both envisioning future. What's the future going to look like for their family? What is the three going to look like going forward? When you fast forward a little bit in the life of this family, Maybe the son's now eight years old. He's got some bumps. He's got some bruises. He's got some scrapes. He's fallen off his bike maybe three, four times, still learning how to, how to manage it without training wheels. And, but the picture for this young man is a little, little bit different. You see, back in the hospital, it was mom, it was dad, it was baby. They were the three. It was beautiful future ahead of him. His future's still bright, but his picture in the present circumstances is just a little bit different. Because you see, we don't know what happened to this young man's dad. The dad's no longer in the picture. We don't know if he passed away. We don't know if he walked away, but he's no longer there. The mother has now moved back in with her mom. And so grandmother and mother are both pouring into this young man, trying to raise him with the idea of who God is and, and what it means to have a faith that is sincere, a faith that is true, a faith that is genuine. They're showing him how to be a believer by the way they treat people, by the way they discipline him. His picture's not what they thought it would be, but his future's still as bright as it could be. He could still be a great farmer, construction worker. He could teach and mold and shape minds. You fast forward in their life, 
life of this family. Maybe he's 15, 16, maybe 17 years old, and, and he's like the typical 17-year-old boy, and he's in a, into a lot of trouble sometimes, and he's making some decisions. He's maybe being disobedient, talking back to his mom. He's, he's giving them some, some trouble. He's even grounded from his vehicle, and so mom drops him off at, at church, and small group leader, small group leader walks out and says, hey, I see so much potential in this young man. Can I, can I take him to lunch one day? Can I encourage him? Can I, can I mentor him a little bit? Mom's like, please, I would love to have that in his life. I'm at my wit's end, and, and he's, he need, he's got so much potential because, again, he's got a bright future. So this small group leader starts to live out his faith in front of this young man and starts to show him what it means to be a man of faith and to live out a sincere faith. You see, this young boy is standing at a crossroads in his life and he's got to choose whether the, he goes through the path of the world, whether he chooses the p- pretty pictures and the attraction and the allurement of this world or whether he, he says, no, I want, to, I want to choose what I've seen exhibited from my grandmother, from mother, from my small group leader. I want to choose sincere faith. But he stands at a crossroads and he has to choose. You may be sitting here this morning facing that same crossroads in your life. Because you see, when we turn to Scripture and we turn to God's Word and we see what Paul says to Timothy in regards to this, 2 Timothy 1, verse 5 says this. It says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. It is a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure that it dwells in you as well. See, Paul is encouraging Timothy in his faith saying, I see something in you that's sincere. I see something that is genuine. The word he uses that's translated out here for sincere means to, to be without show, without hypocrisy. It means to be true, it means to be genuine. Paul is saying, your grandmother's faith was true, it was genuine. Your mother's faith was true, it's genuine. And now I see that same faith in you. Paul is telling us something very simple in, the, in this one verse. He's telling us that sincere faith is something that is seen. It's something that's visible. It's something that is able to be acted out in front of somebody else. It's genuine. It's not a show. It's not going through motions. It's something that's genuine. See, I have a six-year-old little boy. His name is J.D. J.D. loves his daddy, and his daddy loves him, and he's like any six-year-old little boy, right? He wants to do whatever his daddy does. And so I like to build things, and so I'll go out in the garage, and I'll put the garage door up. And as soon as he hears that garage door, he drops what he's doing, and he runs to the door and says, Daddy, we, are we building? Are we building something now? Let me get my tools. And he runs back in and get his little Fisher-Price tool set. And, of course, he's got a real hammer because, right, I'm a good dad. And so he comes out with his hammer, and he starts to, to put wood together. And, and I won't let him play with the power tools yet. That's got a couple months. And so he'll say, Daddy, put this together for me. And I'll screw it together for him and and we'll make some sort of crazy concoction out of the pieces of wood. Or maybe I'll go out and I'll mow the grass and he'll come out and say, Daddy, can I I mow the grass with you? I'm like, absolutely. Go right ahead. I don't really let him use the mower. He uses his own. But we mow the grass together. One of the greatest things I love to do with JD is he loves to play the guitar with me. So I'll pull my guitar off the wall and I'll start playing. And I brought a picture of our guitars. His is the one, you can't really see it, but his is the one with the stars on it. Uh, Mine doesn't have stars. 
And so I'll pull my guitar down and I'll start playing it. And again, he'll drop whatever he's doing and he'll run in there and say, oh, daddy, I didn't know we were playing guitar. Let me get mine. And he'll get his and he'll start wailing on that thing. And he knows not one single chord on the guitar, but he plays it with his whole heart and he sings with his whole voice and he wants to be just like his daddy. That country song, dad, I've been watching you. I want to be like you. I'm your buckaroo. That's what my kid does. And I love that. But every time I see him do something that I'm doing, I'm thinking, he sees me do these great things, but does he see the things that I do that are not so great? Does he see it when I lose my temper? Or what am I saying to him by my faith, the way I treat his mom? By the way, how I treat our students? Or how I treat somebody in Home Depot when I, when I interact with them on how to, how to get the right tool? What does he see in me? See, do we have a faith that's something that's just going through motions? Or do we have a faith that is, is founded in a sincere devotion to the truth of who God is? See, not only do we see that, that Paul is telling Timothy that faith is seen, he's saying sincere faith is also a choice. You see, faith is not something that we can just give somebody. I can't give you faith. I can't give you your faith. Your parents can't give you faith. Small group leaders can't give you your faith. It comes down to a choice that you have to make. See, at some point in Timothy's life, he saw, hey, this is what the world's painting. This is the picture that the world's painting, and it's beautiful. It's got all the pretty colors, all the lights, all the shiny objects, because guys like shiny objects. And so Timothy saw the shiny object. But what Timothy also saw was a sincere devotion to the truth of who God is through his grandmother and through his mother. But his grandmother and his mother can't give him faith. They can only show him faith. He has to choose his faith. See, in our lives, we probably can think about somebody that we've seen that has shown us their faith by the choices that they make. For me, that guy was a guy back in high school by the name of Nate Cosby. Uh, Nate was, was a friend of mine eventually. <laughs> we didn't start that way. Um, but Nate was a guy that was, was definitely someone who, who loved God, who feared God, and was, was, was drawn to God, and was drawn to that sincere faith. Me? I was a kid that loved wanting to be popular. I was not popular by any stretch of the imagination. I stood kind of in the middle. I wasn't unpopular. I wasn't like totally made fun of all the time, but I wasn't like super popular. I always wanted to be popular. I wanted to be drawn to those pretty colors and, and the picture that the world was painting. So I said things. I used language that, that I'm not proud of. I did things that I'm not proud of. I made mistakes. I was disobedient to my parents. I got in fights with my parents. I got angry with my parents. And those choices that I made led me to a nice, long year of being grounded. <laughs> like, my dad didn't say, dude, you're grounded for the weekend. Like, he started that way, but it ended up like, dude, you're grounded for a month. And then it was like, you're grounded for the second semester. Like, those are the kind of mistakes and choices I was making. But Nate, on the other hand, was he was, he was choosing to be sincere in his faith. He was choosing to, to lean into the truth of who God was. I'll never forget sitting in Coach Bell's World history class. And uh, I said that, that I used some language that I wasn't proud of. Well, in history class, a lot of times they'll quote famous people. A lot of times famous people might say those one or two phrase words that are not quite the, the makings of a young man, a little off color. 
But when you're sitting in history class and a coach calls on you to read, you've you got to read those words, right? And, and so we don't care that they're, they're culturally in context or they're quoting somebody. We just care that we got to say a dirty word in school and nobody punished us. In fact, they ask us to read it. And so one day we walk in and, and Coach Bell says, hey, Nate, I need you to read. And so me and my buddy sit in the back of the room because that's where the cool kids sit, right? We were sitting in the back of the room. Nate's up at the front, and uh, we're, we're scanning through to see what Nate's about to read. And ooh, right there, right there in the paragraph is one of those words that Nate's going to have to read. See, Nate doesn't say those kind of words. And so we're, we're watching him knock off word after word after word, and he's, he's right there. And we're just, we're so ready to just jump all over this kid. And we're ready to walk out of the halls and just tell everybody that wasn't in the class, hey, Nate said this. But when it got to that word, Nate slipped his hand up and said, Coach, I, I, I can't read that. And you could just hear us go, oh, man. Like, come on, dude. But he said, I can't read that because that's not something I say. That's not language I use. That's not a choice I want to make. You see, Nate made that initial choice to follow Jesus with his life and give his life over to Jesus, but it's not just a one-time choice. It's a choice that we constantly make every single day when we're faced with different trials and different chances to stand up for our faith. See, what are your choices in your daily life saying about the sincerity of your faith? Well, the world paints a pretty picture over here, but God's word says we're, we're supposed to be radically different than what this world says. One of the things I say to students all the time, and, and it's applicable whether you're five years old or whether you're 500 years old, is that if we're not dramatically and radically different than the culture that's around us, then what are we doing with our faith? What are we doing with how we represent Jesus to other people? Let me say it to you like this. Sincere faith results in a devotion to live your life differently. to live your life differently. See, Nate lived his life differently to the point where where people took notice. And a lot of times people ridiculed that and made fun of that. Timothy probably suffered some persecution because of the way that he lived. We know Paul suffered some persecution for the way that he chose to live. When we choose to live opposite of the world, the world is gonna make fun of it because they don't understand it. The world's gonna mock it because they don't understand it. See, Nate's impact in my life didn't stop in world history class. Nate's impact in my life kept going. Because about April, I'd been on good behavior and I got probation from my grounding. Because see, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for a different result. I'd made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision that resulted in the same time with my parents, quality time. So I wanted something different. I wanted life outside the walls of my house. I wanted to see something besides my mom, my dad, my dog. I wanted something different. The only thing that I could possibly think of that was different was how Nate lived his life. So I called up Nate. Again, Nate and I are not friends yet. (laughs) So imagine his surprise when I call him and say, hey, buddy, what's up? And he's, Prater, what are you doing? say, hey, man, I'd I'd like to go to church. And so I hear the phone drop, and then he picks it back up, and he's like, you want to wear? See, I know you're going to choir tonight. I'd like to go with you. And he says, okay, you can can meet us there. And it's like, no, Nate, like, 
Like, I get anxious, a little secret about Todd. I get anxious when I have to go somewhere, like, by myself. Like, I think that's an underlying reason why I got married. Other than my wife being really beautiful and, like, completing me in all ways that she could. Like, she's my plus one. I don't ever have to worry about going somewhere alone. Like, she's always there. And so the idea of going to church was, like, paralyzing to me to go by myself. And so I was like, hey, man, why don't I just, why don't I come to your house and, like, ride with you? And it's like, okay, whatever, dude, come on. And, and so I went to Nate's house, and I went to church with him. This was the first time in 17 years that I entered a church by my own choice. See, I had been in church since I was JD's age or younger. Every time the doors were open, this was the first time that I chose myself to go to church. See, I chose something radically different than the way that I had been living. I chose to this. See, faith is a very personal thing. I can't choose it for you. Small group leaders can't choose it for you. You have to choose that faith for yourself. See, one thing I learned about Nate and I learned about faith was that faith was so much more than the power that he had, than Nate had, that I had. It was the power of Jesus. It was the power of the gospel story lived out in us. See, the gospel story is this, is Jesus Christ was born through Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's that word again, the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus lived for 33 years. He did three years of teaching, preaching, and ministering, and discipling others. He was betrayed by someone that was close to him in Judas. He was beaten, tried, and convicted of crimes he didn't commit by people that were threatened by him. He was hung on a cross. He died and was buried in somebody else's tomb. Three days later, he pulled off Easter. He rose from the dead. He resurrected over sin. He resurrected over death. He conquered sin to make us right with God, to give us a path to choose to be right with God. That is the power with which I saw Nate's faith. That's the power which I stand here today and have that faith because you see this, faith is having a trust and a power for the eternal nature more so than the here and now. When we think about that, and we think about sincere faith that leads us to live differently, sincere faith is something that's got to be rooted in that power. Many people have faith, right? Many people say they have faith, but is their faith something that's going through motions, checking boxes, or is it something that is sincere search for truth? But the question about people's faith is, is it rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Our faith is proven sincere when we choose to live a faith that others can see and we choose to live a very, very different life, a radically different life than that of this world. 